Bonjour, ça va? Hope you're all doing well. Welcome back, guys, to On The Back Bar, hosted by me, Christopher Menning. I had a really good chat recently with Siobhan and Hannah about London Cocktail Week and what they're up to this year. Thankfully, it's still going ahead and they will be in their 11th year. We spent a lot of the episode reminiscing over the last decade of cocktails in London. The girls have grown this into one of the world's largest festivals of its kind, attracting a global audience and being instrumental in connecting bars with consumers. It was a super fun chat and we talk about home cocktails, what to expect this year and also the reason they snuck out of their 10 year anniversary party. As always, if you would like to see more of my content, head over to Patreon and join the community. Give us a like and subscribe and please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I have a stellar lineup of guests coming on the show in the next few weeks and it's going to be epic, so get involved and follow. Stay safe to all of you and let's roll the intro. Benjamin Franklin once said, in wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the Back Bar. This is Christopher Menning. Hello to both of you. Thank you so much for joining us on the back bar today. How are you doing over there? Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. Great. Well, and thankfully. Good. And how's the isolation living in the UK? Well, the isolation, we're into week four now, I think, of this. Yes. Yeah, it definitely feels a little bit more normal. Both Siobhan and I, we both live on our own, so it's it's quite a long time without without company. Without yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very lucky this end because I have my partner with me, Nunny, and uh, we also have uh, a flat full of animals. So we've got four turtles and a hedgehog, so they keep us company. Wow! <laughs> I had um, thought actually it would be so nice to have like a little cat or a little dog or something, just a little bit of company. True, true. And um, it's interesting because I think a lot of people are adjusting to life now at home and everything is sort of going more digital. Is there any uh, resources or anything you're watching right now to keep you going? Um, to be honest, we try and keep a really regimented working day. Feels perhaps a little bit unlike what it feels like anyone else is doing, but we start at a time and we then connect on Zoom and we're just on in the chat room kind of all day with the video going and we work right through till one o'clock so <laughs> the evenings are kind of it's almost like then that's to switch off so we've yeah. not not been like watching like the tutorials and the online webinars and all that kind of thing that comes into our working day so we're trying to have create some kind of work-life balance in two tiny flats Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, it's um, fantastic to have you on the show. I'm really excited to have you. Would you mind giving the audience a rundown of who you are and how you got into the industry? So I started in hospitality back in 2000 and 
two or three, can't quite remember. And I, my first job in the trade was at Milk and Honey, which Jonathan had opened with Sasha Pachowski in London. I was with Jonathan for about five years, and it was an amazing alumni of people that came out of that time. So it was a really unbelievable start. As I mean, I'd had like hateful bar jobs when I was at university, but actually hospitality, it was a pretty incredible start. And from there, just knew I was going to stay in the trade. Actually then joined a chap called Simon Difford. So I really thought I was going to write books for him, but he decided he wanted to stop publishing at exactly the time that I joined him. So we ended up on a completely different tangent, which was fun. One of those things being a PR agency that he decided we should run, which is then when Shiv came in, because Shiv had a PR, much better PR background than I did. So that's kind of how we got working together. And then during that time, we also started London Cocktail Week back in 2010. So that was, it was kind of a reaction to what else was happening around the world. So Tales, I think, was in like year two or three by that point. And it was the same year, I think, that Manhattan Cocktail Classic launched, which was an amazing event, actually, that it doesn't exist anymore. Um, so yeah, so, and then since, since then, we've been running the festival. Yeah, so like Hannah said, I joined her, it was actually just after she started London Cocktail Week and just before we started the PR agency. So I'd been, my first job out of uni was in a PR agency for drinks brands, so loads and loads of different drinks brands, and also Rumfest was um, in PR for. But I didn't actually really like PR very much. Um, okay. No one likes PR. No one. <laughs> some people are really good at it, but it's, it's, it's tough. And so I was kind of looking for a way out, and that's when I met Hannah and Simon. And they invited me to join them and work for them, doing loads of bits and pieces. Both Hannah and I were doing lots of different things with Simon Difford at that time. So I was doing some of his website sales and a little bit of content for him, and yeah, and then the PR agency, and then well, like there weren't really job roles like there are now, and there weren't really. You know, there certainly weren't really brand ambassadors and there weren't marketing. Mm-hmm. Those jobs just didn't exist at the time. So you just, we were in such a fortunate position because there was only a handful of us and, and anything that we did, we all just had to get stuck in. So actually in terms of training, so on, on all our jobs really, and actually, and that's carried forward into the festival as we run it now, it's very much like get involved, give it a go. Yeah. See what works and be, and be, brutally honest to yourself if it doesn't and fix it so you're into uh what will be your 11th year now of the festival yeah second decade we like to we're like we're, we're, yeah we're saying yeah. That. pretty old though that's what i don't like <laughs> well um, congratulations yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah we i mean the year 10 was a massive year for us obviously it was a massive milestone just to kind of be in business for that long is no secret we Go snuck out of our 10th birthday celebration and went and got matching tattoos. <laughs> Did you really? No one knows wow. that. We haven't said that at that. all. Wow, what a scoop. <laughs> what, what are these tattoos related to the, the festival? Yeah, yeah, tiny little crosses like for, an, for a 10. Yeah, I love it. That's so great. <laughs> Fortuitously, for our 10th anniversary, mm-hmm. we it's October, right? 10th month. And it fell on the 10th day so we uh, had okay. a party on the 10th we had a 10th birthday party on the 10th of the 10th 
Yeah. Like, it just couldn't have worked out better, which happened to be our Thursday night. So we had this like big gala champagne, all of our nearest and dearest in the room. It was so nice. We just really got to say the thank yous that we'd probably yeah. not said closely enough to, you know, our partners and our parents. Well, you've definitely done a lot for the industry, um, particularly in London, because it's such a huge event. It does so much for the industry. But I'd, I'd like to go back. When was the, the moment that you kind of both said to yourselves, we should do a festival? Do you know what? I'm not really, I couldn't pinpoint it. It just felt like there was other stuff happening around the world. Okay, this is a really good example. So Tales was happening already, which is amazing. And actually, we're, it's, we've not been since it's been under the new ownership it just hasn't worked with the business and with timings that we've been able to go and unfortunately we were planning on going this year but we were going to go this year we were, so I, I guess, uh, <laughs> it probably won't probably won't be happening but and yeah. um, the tales was tales was already up and running and but it, it kind of felt very niche for the people that were attending and because it's you know very trade orientated and then it's in this really mad little town of new orleans which like, yes, there's all the cocktail history and there's those drinks that originated there and there's lots, you know, there's lots of good stories. But actually, as an example of global cocktail culture, mm-hmm. it perhaps isn't the very best example with no disrespect to the glorious town of New Orleans in any way, shape or form, because it's really good fun. And if you like cheap, cold beer, it's amazing. But we just, I just remember thinking, like, why, why are the same amount of people, all these global luminaries, why are they not coming all at once to London, because really, at that, especially 2010, what was happening? It was like, we, we had some really fantastic bars and they, and like the hotel bars were really starting to come into their own for like the, you know, the next time around that they came into their own. But it was, it was kind of that cusp that the hotel bars were becoming a little bit more mainstream. I'm doing that inverted commas thing, because obviously I don't mean that, but you know what I mean? They're kind of becoming yeah. more you know, bars like Will and Hugh had opened Hawksmoor, which had a really specific drinks offering at the time, which Nick had done. And there was just all this stuff happening. And it was like, why are we flying halfway around the world to sweat in New Orleans? And actually, why are we not showcasing just quite how fantastic London is? And luckily, it has just continued. I realise I'm saying this when there aren't any bars open, but it just in those 10 years, it has just got better and better and better, which has allowed us as the festival and us as the showcase and the platform for all these venues, which is all we're ever trying to be. You know, we've, we've really tried to always maintain that Cocktail Week is just the platform to show off all these clever people that are doing it. You know, it's, it's not about us showing off and us being clever. It's about, you know, really getting normal people into these venues. But you know, in, the, in that whole decade, but the, if you go through the bars that have opened, you then look back at like who's won awards and who's, you know, it's just, it's just a fantastic collection of people in the right place at the right time. So that's, I guess, why it felt like, like, come on, we've, let's get our act together. Someone's got to do it. What's been fantastic with it, obviously we'll talk about this year and how it's still going ahead, which is great. What's been fantastic is I think what started probably as a trade show has become something so consumer focused and I think the great thing is is that you celebrated all these bars and it's kind of helped the consumer understand drinking culture a lot more so you know Um, yeah I think that's that obviously when when Hannah started it that it was meant to be a trade a trade thing but I think very quickly the the consumer press got 
and it was a time at a time when cocktails weren't that intrinsic in the yeah. London consumer culture. And we really like to think that we've played a part in in getting more people drinking discerningly um, through the six pound cocktail offer. It's not always been. so the concept, the, the kind of core cool concept of the festival is that people buy a pass, which is a risk. Mm-hmm. And then they can go around the bars that are participating in pick as the best bars in London. Yeah. They can try a cocktail for, for a cheaper price. And it's not about getting cheap cocktails and like getting really drunk. It's about kind of taking the price barrier away so that people feel confident to try something that they might be a bit worried about. So actually at the time, in 2010, we were kind of at the, the, the start of the gin thing. So Hendrix was... Hendrix was doing its thing, like, you know, people just not quite on board with it yet. By having a gin cocktail on the floors for £4 at the time, in 2010, 2011, people were like, oh, give it a try. You know, it's only £4 and it's one, it's their signature serve. They're like, oh, actually, nice. And, you know, it gets people into new categories. And like Campari is another really good example. So no one drank a Negroni in 2010. I mean, you could not get a regular person to have a Negroni. They'd have been like, bitter. And now, I mean, it's like you can't move for yeah. Negronis. You know, we have to say to people, but could you not, could you try and do something like, a t- if you're going to do a Negroni, could it be a twist? Because, mm-hmm. you know, just the palette has changed. It's, it's a fascinating, well, uh, we think it's a fascinating kind of graph <laughs> and, yeah, and a, and a kind of yeah, trajectory on it. That's, that's been real core value of ours is to, as Hannah said before, like be the platform for the venues and the brands that are doing amazing things and bringing more consumer into it. And we like to think that we're the kind of middleman between trade and consumer. So we really understand the trade because it's our industry and we're very much involved. Um, but equally, because of our focus on getting consumers to, to try new things and go to new venues... And we always come back to that during the festival. When we're planning the festival, we always okay, but what about what about normal drinkers, normal consumers, people that have nine to fives and wanna have a nice experience in the evening? Like, is this serving them? And that's what we always come back to. I think that's probably why it's been successful in that respect. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I think you've really played a vital role in closing the gap between the consumer and the bars. So thank you for that. And it's really good to hear you're going ahead this year. Can you tell us a bit more of an update and if coronavirus is going to affect it? Um, I mean, for sure, we'll. It, there will be an effect. There is an effect. The whole industry is affected. For us, the way, luckily, the way that we run the business is that whatever happens, we are going to be able to put on London Cocktail Week. There may be some changes, specifically if the lockdown is still rife in a few months, we might have to push the dates back. But we're okay. very, very conscious that London Cocktail Week does boost the bar economy in London. Um, and it is a really good opportunity for people to get together and celebrate the amazing hospitality industry. And we are very conscious that our industry, which we love, and are so passionate about is going to need London Cocktail Week when this is all over. We feel a very acute responsibility to make sure that it's put on and the absolute best it can. So it is definitely happening. We would love to stick to the dates. If we have to push it back a month, two months, we will. If we have to change the format slightly, we will. But 
everything is going to be about getting consumers back into the bars and also celebrating what is an amazing industry and what is going to, you know, we are going to bounce back and we want to celebrate. Great. And in terms of celebrating, what have been your, your fondest memories over the last decade of the festival? There's a cut, do you know what, a couple of times, no, more than a couple of times, but there's times where we've been allowed to do something that we cannot believe we've been allowed to do. So like, like taking over roads or department stores or hanging banners across streets or like working with the mayor's office to do, like it just, I think to me, it feels like that feels like the grown up bits that I can't believe that we're allowed to get away with. We were laughing yesterday. We were talking to someone about like the old days and we now run a cocktail village and that's, this will be the sixth year of the cocktail village already. But the three years prior to that, we used to take over empty retail space in Covent Garden. And we were laughing and we were talking to someone yesterday and we were laughing on the phone because there was a point once where we had like, 10 sets of keys of all these shops in Covent, in Covent Garden. Like Covent Garden is where I was allowed to go shopping as a child to, be, to get something cool. You know, like, you know, like if you were gonna get like the best shoes, you went to Shelley's in Covent Garden on Floral Street. Like that's, you know, that's how I grew, like that was the dream. And we're, li- we're like, there's me and Shiv, these two idiots and we're, holding all these keys to these shops that we're now, and they're like, yeah, cool, see ya. Well, you know, I just give them back how you found them. We're mm-hmm. like, what? How is this allowed? Like, how is it allowed yeah, to it be- we, we weren't running a good business model at that time. Yeah, we weren't. We didn't know what we were doing <laughs> at all. Much better time. We giving them to brands for completely free. Just be like, just do something cool. Like, not making any money on it at all. And we had all these banners, like, all down the streets, and it was, like, all the brand name and stuff. And we were like, oh, this is cool. This, like, this is, yeah, well, because it's, like, in these iconic locations, I think. Mm-hmm. Which, you know. You mentioned the village. So I think one of my best moments was the first, the opening of the first village in Spitalfields, because it was just so big. <laughs> and we went, and we were like, we... Someone had got in touch with us because we'd been working with her on something else. And she was now running the hiring of Oddsbitterfields. And if, if anyone's not been, I'm sure loads of people listening haven't been, it's enormous, really old. I can't describe it. Like, it's just a massive space where there's all market traders. It is enclosed, but it's, it's not been touched since, it, since the Victorian times. Like, it's beautiful architecture. It's all steel and... It's a really amazing space. Yeah. It always feels really busy. And then again, they cleared it out to give it to us. Mm-hmm. And we, we, just when we were looking at it, when she was like, oh yeah, you can hire this. And we were like, okay. And then we were just looking at it and we just kind of had a vision of all these cars driving in, you know, with the, all the bar trucks and all that sort of stuff and it all being really eclectic. And we were like, should we just give it a go? She said to us that we could take a third to start with and we were only going to take a bit. And then we got, then we got a bit cocky, I think. And we were like, oh, we can do this. Let's just take uh-huh. the whole thing. And, and, then, and then we were like, so there's a balcony that you can stand above it and look down onto the space. And I just, I remember that so clearly. It was empty one night. <laughs> there was no, no food traders, no um, market stalls, antique sellers in there. 
And this space was just so huge. We were like, what have we done? We're like, we're finished. <laughs> and so then when it opened and we'd like managed to sell all the space and it was, it was that turned out to be really good. Yeah. For the listeners who don't maybe know, and I've been to the Cocktail Village plenty of times, and it's fantastic every time I go, but for the listeners that don't know, can you explain a bit about what the village is and, and what goes on there? <laughs> so it's different every year, which is something that we really try hard to do so we don't, don't replicate stuff. And it's, it's like the anti-trade show. So there's loads of rules that you can't bring. So you can't, there's no shell scheme, there's no roll banners, there's no... You know, there's not, it has to be fully immersive and fully experiential as per stand. But what's brilliant and what comes with that is that all these brands then are like, mm, well, I better raise my game. So we've had cement mixers, we've had Ferris wheels, we've had um, carousels, we've had uh, fresh berry pressing remember that one that was good um we oh, got yeah, in the- that was really good <laughs> but basically it's just all these pop-up bars in one space but it's 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 designed for consumers mm. try to come as consumers obviously um but it's just meant to be really fun and really like not you know not take itself too seriously not you know you just turn up and there's all these amazing experiences where you can buy cocktails and meet the bartenders and yeah and what's been the best experience you've had so far that's mean i can't do that <laughs> there, there, there must be a lot to choose from yeah i completely agree um, i mean generally the ones that are a bit interactive work work yeah. really well so and they're the ones that people remember so you know we had one year havana club did an immersive box where you kind of go in and you're in havana and they created the know they created all the atmosphere of it and the temperature and the smells and the sounds and you kind of go through and do a tasting we Mm -hmm. had um, the berries was really good that was greenals and you you, you wear this big boiler suit and you crush your own berries for your cocktail the monkey shoulder cement mixer was really great last year the japanese whiskey oh Oh, the santori tasting that was amazing that was amazing Mm -hmm. You could learn how to you could learn how to cut ice and that kind of thing. Wow, that does sound good. Yeah. Giant pineapples. Um, okay. Silent discos. But li- I mean, literally, the, anything you could probably think of that involves having a drink in your hand, someone's turned up with it. Yeah. And it's all the time, you know, we get the plans and we're like, oh, where are we going to put these people and what we're going to do with this and how's this going to work? And every time we think, oh my god, what have we undertaken now? Mm-hmm. But somehow, with our amazing team that we have, that it's the same few people that come and help us with the with the loading mm. has been for all these years. Um, the cement then, mixer was a challenge, though. I had a few sleepless nights about getting that in. <laughs> right. Well, we just always somehow managed to fit this stuff in under the tent or into the. Yeah, it just, I don't know how it happens, but somehow it happens. And the yeah. tent, actually, the tent is new. And actually that, that for us was a real turning point because it suddenly started to feel like a, a British festival. You know how, you know, when you're out in the fields at Wilderness and you're like, oh, it could be anywhere. You actually kind of get that same kind of vibe, but in a car park in East London. Yeah. You know, it's a bit, a bit drunk and a bit hazy and the music's great and it's 
you know, it's just great. I mean, it's one of, um, I think it's got such a great status now. It's one of the biggest cocktail events of its kind in the world. Did you envisage it to be this big and, and how it is when you first started? Or has it kind of just evolved into this? <laughs> I'd love to be like, yes, this is exactly what we're about. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's a very, very organic business because it has grown up with Siobhan and I. And it's yeah. really, what's really, I think this is interesting, is that our consumer, our target consumer, and our, and our not our target, that's not the right word, um, our majority consumer, follows our age, which I think okay. says quite a lot about how much of us goes into it. So when we first started, our, the people that were coming were a little bit younger and now they're 10 years older. So it's kind of, it's kind of nice. So that, you know, just, as we've grown up, as we've got braver, as we've got bolder, as we've got more experienced. And so therefore we're able to try more and push harder and ask for more from you know, our investors are saying, no, this is a great idea. You know, sometimes it's not a great idea. I think that's with, I think that's with anything. Like we've done the last year or so, um, Hannah and I have done a little bit of panel discussions and all that sort of stuff about running a business. And I think, and we always come back to, you know, if you're starting something, you never, you like to fit, you like to think, but you never think, oh, this is, this is what it's going to be. It's just, you know, you start it and you just want it to be really good. However, however big it is. Mm. And I think, and you know, that hopefully, hopefully the, the growth that we've had, and honestly, as we said earlier, we did not, know, we still often don't know what on earth we're doing. So, so, so it's just good to be brave and to just go for yeah. it. If you're not, this is going to be the most successful thing. You know, when Hannah started it in 2010 with Simon, it was, you just kind of thought it was going to be all your mates come in. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to be my mates. I didn't know anyone. I was like, who are you? They were like, oh, I'm Kathy from, you know, from Northampton. You know, I saw it in the newspaper. And I'm like, why are you here? Yeah. Where, <laughs> where are my friends? Who, like, obviously the trades don't register to do anything. They just turn up and expect it all. Anyway. Um, but no, we got to about, what was interesting, we got to about year seven, maybe, Shiv, and we were like, Imagine if we got to year 10. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then year 10 became this like, imagine if we, imagine if we got to year 10. And then it was like, imagine when we get to year 10. And then it was like, what are we going to do for year 10? So we had this, we almost like had a bit of wedding blues like after this year 10 had been and gone. And we were like, oh, a bit flat. You know, we were like, wow, that was amazing. Oh my God, feel a bit overwhelmed. What yeah, now we've got to do 10 more years before we get <laughs> We're going to be well old by then. <laughs> Yeah, but we were so we but we took ourselves away and we, to start with we were like well, you know what are we you know such a massive commitment like blah 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 we've done our ten years that's what we were aiming for we've done it and then suddenly we were like hang on we did a retrospective ten years so we like looked back at all the things that were really lovely about what we'd done in the past and we felt very nostalgic about it all and then like you know it'd come and gone and whatever and we're looking forward and we were like oh we've got more work to do now than we've ever had before because now we have to take this into another decade. Right, best guess. Yeah, so now, so this year is like almost more important than year 10 because this is the year that, well, I mean, we've had to deal with the fact that- We haven't got any bars, but we'll not talk about that. It's amazing. That challenge aside, like it was always gonna be a big challenge to kind of kick off the next decade. 
and that's mm-hmm. all you know we don't we, we try not to say year 11 we like start the next decade yeah so that we you know we intend to keep it going for another 10 years yeah you know? yeah and it's this isolation has been good it's we've had lots of like albeit zoom calls but we've had lots of zoom calls with blank pieces of paper of like okay what if this what if we didn't do it like that what if this was better what you know and that's actually this little bit of time that we've got is to the universe sending us something like actually we've you know we've certainly not we've certainly not taken this lightly so i think for us it's like you know why did we do what we did in the past and was it the most effective could it be better are we doing sure. enough for the trade are we doing enough for the consumers are we bringing in new people as we should be are we is the village inclusive enough is it all these questions you know of all our key values that that you know we've tucked away and had written in a notebook for a decade it's like okay with fresh eyes and actually with a little bit of time not racing to the gym to the office to the canteen to this to the like without all of that just sit back and prep prep again like start again almost not obviously we won't be starting again it's you know it's all much of a muchness but it's yeah it's been it's been a really good time actually isn't it Shiv? it's yeah it's been yeah. i think it's been good for the development of yeah okay and yeah i i agree actually this time this time has given everyone the opportunity to reflect for sure and i really am glad you said you you've seen it grow uh, the industry because i think also the consumer base and the industry has grown along with the festival. So touching on for the next 10 years, what, what do you expect to see? What, what sort of things are we predicting to happen? I think, well, I've, I'd already, we had noticed and we put in a lot of our trends stuff that the next, actually five years was, was the time that we'd been asked about, was, but the cocktails at home. And from that, because when you're doing something yourself, you become more savvy. But cocktails at home is going to become a bigger thing. Now that is a hundred percent going to be true. Yeah. Huh? I predicted. I predicted this that we were all going to be in lockdown. Cocktails at home. No, oh my god! If only. But I think that had already been a, a starting trend, and people yeah. are making their own. I don't think that means that they're not going to go out, but I do think that we're going to see the next level of discernment from consumers. Yeah. Bars, which means that the bars have to step up their game. Right. Yeah. Which is cool. It's exciting. It gives us all something to do. It gives us something to work towards. It's what, what new things can we dream up that mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah, we've been saying for, for like years that, you know, obviously drinks just never have the same media placement or cachet as food and chef but actually that's changed and just recently just changed like ryan and lynette we were talking about this on um on masterclass you know to suddenly have drinks on a platform like that that's that's never, never happened before like that is that is a testament to to pick the understanding of the consumer and so therefore the appetite for it. And so therefore someone needs to step forward and be that, be that yeah. fake. couldn't be two better people. But um, yeah, I, yeah I, I think you're right, Shiv. I think, you know, everyone is just getting savvier about how to do it and what it means to be tasty. And I think therefore you have like a better respect and understanding for when you get a really delicious drink in a, in a bar. <laughs> I'm sure some people think that's how they're made. Or just, yeah. they just 
But let's talk about some of the bars. So who, which bars do you think right now are sort of leading the way? There's definitely some people in London doing some stuff that is very, using modern techniques, let's put it that way, or like modern flavours or like a, a different way of approaching the menu. So there's that bit happening. But actually, I would say at the minute, like, and you know, and I'd put Monica and Alex and, and I guess the Vennings and that kind of bracket of mm -hmm. like, you know, like different techniques, like really, you know, either really clean menus or really clean little drinks or, or that kind of thing. But then in the same breath, and actually like in the same time frame, Eric opens Quaint which is so nostalgic. I mean, they're delicious drinks, but the whole thing of it is so charming and so old fashioned actually, whilst being a perfect example of a modern bar. So I kind of think, I think you've kind of got to pick a side a little bit, whether which route you're going to go down. But I think both of those things, old fashioned hospitality in that sort of genteel setting, you know, that's that bar, I just, I think it's charming that bar, but. Mm -hmm. is one route and then obviously the other is is to kind of you know a bit more what used to be called molecular mixology i guess but she's just making I've heard that term for a long time i know i felt i felt old so molecular mixology <laughs> that was like a big thing that was yeah, such a I've, big thing it was i think it was when everyone just started kind of catching on and there had to be like a, a name to coin it and we've kind of evolved out of it now um, but that is that is those kind of modern style of drinks right yeah yeah, yeah they just haven't got that label on the top Mm -hmm. um, have you both are you both born and bred London just outside just yeah. outside okay so you've, you've grown up around oh uh, where sorry the suburbs suburbs okay okay so you you've seen the London cocktail scene evolve and you've been a big part of it um, what were some of the the favorite haunts you've been to growing up I know you, you used to love Portobello Road well yeah we love Portobello Road so we both yeah. now live in West London um, we're one of only four people that live here. Um, <laughs> everybody, else in, everybody else we know turns their nose up at it and we're like, perfect, don't come. It's lovely. It's lovely and quiet. So yeah, we are, we are West London through and through, which is the heart of that is Portobello Road. In the day, back in the glory days, there were like, mm -hmm. you could do an amazing bar loop in, on Portobello. It was probably the most fun you could have in London. That was but so fun. Almost all closed now because no one in West London. Not trailer happiness. Trailers, on the flag. That stays. So trailer happiness, and then there was the Portobello Star, which is the greatest bar. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it there. The Lonsdale. Lonsdale was brilliant back in the day. It's so yeah. So we yeah, we, that's those were the happiest times we had. And our dear friend Jake does still have a bar on Portobello Road, but it's not quite as grubby. It's so serious. Like, we're like, he played by Miley Cyrus. He's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's hot holes in the ceiling, which I think is a real disappointment in a bar, really. Yeah, like the toilets work and stuff. Rude. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> What's that about? So, how about these days? Now you're now you've. I mean, you must go to every bar going. But what are your favourite hotspots? So we're bad. We're bad because we love. We just love love hotel bars. We love them. Okay. We just love sitting at a hotel bar with a martini. Really well looked after. So yeah. Looked after. So I'd love to say that we're like, you know, of East London going to all the new dive bars and 
but we just love yeah, it. Really no, um, our dear, dear friend Emma and uh, Dino have just opened, or have just opened uh, oh, Tequila. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we had Dino on a podcast, actually. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, great guy. So, yeah, we, we have, we've loved it, obviously. We're very biased, but um, yeah, that's great. And actually, that little stretch of London is so good. If anyone's visiting, actually, there's a couple of really great restaurants. There's many really great bars. It's a really good stretch. Is that, is that Kingsland Road? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you've got free sheets untitled. That's all sheets. of the area, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Free sheets is a great bar. Mm-hmm. Great bar. Too far for us on a, on a weekly basis. But, um, but yeah, that little stretch is really good. When we're in the West... It's great. Quaint is great. It is great, yeah. I mm-hmm. love that. I'm so pleased he's opened that. I haven't been yet. I have to. Oh, it's, it's really good. Okay. We're a big fan of a wine bar. So I really like what Michael's doing at Sega and Wild. I think that I think it's really stood the test of time. Yeah. Um, long may that continue. Yeah, as she said, hotel bars. Still love the addition. The I love the addition. I love scarves. Scarves, great. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's glorious there. <laughs> about this for quite a long time it's like, yeah. yeah yeah okay get on with the podcast stop just talking about bars we can't go and no then, this is what we're here I, for I, I, at the moment i just I'm, i find the artesian really comforting yeah this is Being great they're just so warm they just like welcome you with open arms they're so happy to be at work aren't they all of them oh, they do, oh, i just love them they're so great oh yeah I can't wait to go back and miss us. I, <laughs> I think I think everyone's sort of sitting at home now, thinking, "Oh, when's this going to be lifted?" Because you know there is so much to go out and see and celebrate. Uh, touching on the home cocktails that you predicted, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think um, this in, entails? Is this more people making their own cocktails, or is it going to be ordering from these top bars cocktails at home, which yeah. a lot of people are doing? We so we we have a website that promotes doing great stuff in London and obviously all this happened and we were like oh dear we've got a bar listing website in London and London has no bars so we (laughs) did the most unbelievable 24-hour turnaround of our site to make it entirely about supporting the venues that are still in business in some capacity so that was anyone that was at the time actually you could pick up, but that they had to go as well. So that was a job well done for me. Um, but, so this is about like people that are either delivering kits or delivering pre-batched or hosting online masterclasses or all, anything, basically anything you can think of that, that we're allowed to do at the moment. And people have either gone down one of two routes. They're either backpacking or, you know, bottling pre-mix of which we've been so fortunate and sent lots of all of it and tasted lots of all of it and i have to say really good quality across the board like proper proper drinks like not not crowd pleaser drinks like proper Mm -hmm. drinks like this is here's a martini here's like a you know like proper drinks right and they've been excellent or all with help of brands or distribution agencies so for example the guys at speciality they're putting together like the whole, all the bottles to then make it yourself. But, and, then, and then it comes with a recipe card or a little video or whatnot. So I think there's, there's two halves of people. So first of all, I think people are understanding that they can have cocktails delivered pre-made to their house and that that's, mm-hmm. and what that costs. Because actually, like the first time you do that and you're like, how much? 
well, actually, like, okay, don't be an idiot. Think about it properly. Mm -hmm. Eight drinks in there or four drinks or whatever, work it back, blah, blah, blah. So actually people getting used to what that costs and how that delivery service happens, I think will make a massive difference. And then the people that are then choosing to buy the bottles to do it themselves, watching the little online tutorials that want to get a bit more interactive, then it will up their skills. So I think both have, both are positive. I don't know which one will come out on top. I think it, I think it probably always depends on the occasion, the same way that if you were, you know, the same way that you might get food delivered for a dinner party or you might get ingredients delivered. It just depends on the audience, right? I think the fact that it's become normal and we've, we've certainly here got another month of this, you know, that the online booze sales are through the roof in the UK. People are drinking more than they've ever drunk before because everybody. Well everybody. Yep. <laughs> Keeping the industry alive. I'm, I'm actually very jealous because um, I, I'm in Thailand and they've just put the alcohol ban on till the 30th of April. <sighs> so yeah, we're, we're onto our last bits of stock. <laughs> we send you anything? Uh, yeah, I'd love it, but I think the postage would cost more than what the alcohol does. So. <laughs> Thanks, so. Oh no, that's terrible. Yeah, Why are they doing that? I think because um, it's a way to keep everyone safe at home. And yeah, Thai people like to drink. <laughs> well, it's so, hard yeah. to Brit, honestly. You've never mm-hmm. seen, like, the, the stories that are coming through of, like, you know, the online sales. And it was really funny. And um. When, it all, when this all first happened, you know, the toilet paper jokes, you know, there was no toilet paper anywhere in the UK. It was like almost impossible to buy any loo roll. And then on the Monday night, they announced that we were going into lockdown and then there was no wine. So there was loads of toilet paper, yeah. but there was no wine. And we, you know, I, that says a lot, doesn't it, about the brew? Yeah. What <laughs> I've heard next, the, the thing that's starting to run out now is uh, hair cutting equipment. People running out of uh, trimmers really? and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely need a haircut. It's been... Oh no, I don't. I don't like talking about it. <laughs> so, see our hair currently on this podcast. So, like, let's not. Let's just gloss over that fact. Well, we'll go to the next question. Well, keeping on at home, keeping on home cocktails. What drinks are you making at home? We, we, to be honest, our creativity goes into running the London Cocktail Week. <laughs> is that is that, is that fair comment? Yeah. We have at home. Okay. Well, I got delivered a. This wasn't making it again, but I got delivered a bottle of espresso martini the other day, and you had to shake that. And I don't have a shaker at home. Sad. Um, I don't have a shaker at home, so I shook it in a jar. So that was you quite creative. Just run the world's biggest cocktail festival, but doesn't own a shaker. But doesn't have a shaker. Yeah. Well, I don't need to make cocktails myself. I, I, I get made for me. I don't need a shaker. Yeah, yeah. You go for the experience for that for someone doing it for you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you no, know, we we generally make stirred drinks at home. Okay. Because I don't have sure. a shaker. No, it's not because of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we um. So like, last night we were drinking martinis, weren't we, Han? Okay. How do you make your martini? Well, quite wet actually, because then you can have two. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Well, girls, that's everything for me. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's been great. And honestly, good luck for this year for the cocktail festival. Can't wait to see what happens. And I mean, it is going ahead, but when, you know? Going yeah. ahead. It's happening. We'll see you there. Perfect. Thank you. Talk soon. Thanks so much. 
Well, what a show. Siobhan and Hannah are so nice, and it's great to hear they are pushing the London Cocktail Week forward into its 11th year. If you're hearing me right now, it means you made it all the way to the end of my episode, so thanks a bunch for listening. I really appreciate you making it this way. If you do want to join the community and learn more about how you can be involved in the podcast, look at the show notes, head over to Patreon, and join in, become a member, and you'll get so much amazing content straight to your email. Peace to all of you, and talk to you soon. Ciao.